Hello, hello. You're listening to For the Girls, Gays and Days, the podcast where two friends process their emotions concerning pop culture of note to the acronymed community. From film to television, music and more, we're here to tell you what caught our queer eyes this week. I'm Colt, he, him. I'm Alex, they, then. Welcome. Welcome to it. Cheers. This week, we're drenched in saccharine gay love, in red, white and royal blue, and Heartstopper, solving another murder in After Party and having the loveliest time with Cardi Rae Jepsen. Yeah. To kick things off, category is film. And I will be talking about Red, White and Royal Blue. It is the 2023 rom-com adaptation of the novel of the same name, directed by Matthew Lopez. It tells the story of a whirlwind enemies-to-lovers story, the Prince of England, played by Nicholas Skeletzine, and the son of the US president, played by Taylor Zachar Perez. Uh, this film is cheese on cheese yeah. on a heartfelt love story. <laughs> I was continuously fighting the aw and the eye roll throughout. Uh, it definitely has like a TV movie vibe to it, complete with dubious green screening, melodrama, and pratfalls. Also, I'm sure this is a carryover from the book, but there was a lot of like very Britain written by an American vibes as well. Yeah. So there's like a lot of sort of like inconsistencies that I just found hilarious of just like stuff. With, and I, I don't know if it was in the adaptation of it and, and some of the the way they filmed things and, and obviously some of the dialogue and some of the exchanges, I would, couldn't help but at points be like, wow. That wouldn't happen here or like yeah okay okay americans idea of what what like london is but for the most part i had a really good time with it i thought it was just it was just campy and over the top and very sweet and very cheesy <laughs> and just a lovely watch have you have you seen it what have you heard about it i i haven't seen it i didn't get a chance to watch it i and pretty much seen the entire movie because, um, <laughs> like all trailers ever, it gives every single oh, yeah. point. Right? Oh, yeah. And I've seen all the highlights on gay social media. Like, for instance, I didn't know that straight people didn't know that two in can fucking missionary position. Yeah. I don't know. Have, um, oh, of course. Uh, We've said much worse. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I didn't know people didn't know that was possible. And maybe yeah. that's more about me. Uh, well, I, I think it, it also was like, there are some lines that are funny, like that will uh, go in a, a public school line, whatever he says. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Along the lines of like, they're discussing who's topping, who's bottoming. And he's like, darling, I went to British boarding school. You're in, you're in good hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, um, I enjoyed a lot. And I think the kid, uh, the guy who plays the prince, Nicholas, right? Or no. Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas, yeah. Yeah. He's also in, a, in another gay film coming out later this year. So I've kind of like kept my eye out. So yeah, he yeah. Really enjoys. Oh, yeah. He's in Bottoms, isn't he? He is in Bottoms. Yeah. Uh, so well, I think he's playing straight in it. Like he's being like the stereotypical like jock type, like the idiot jock. So that'll be interesting. That'll be like a very um, opposite side of it. I, <laughs> there's been a lot said around these central performances. Uh -huh. um, the one tweet that for me stands out was someone saying that 
uh, Galatine is giving Call Me By Your Name and yeah. Perez is giving Riverdale, mm-hmm. which it, it's accurate. I mean, I yeah. do think Galatine is giving a much more nuanced performance, whereas Perez is kind of playing for the back of the room. But my God, is he pretty to look at? He's so pretty. And I just feel like God, he's hot. not that pretty. Why? We, you know, there's nothing that we need to critique about them. They're there for looking at. It's like um, that anti-Koropsky boy from from uh, Queer Eye. Yeah. He doesn't cook, but he's there because we like to look at him, and we should, you know? I yeah. like pretty yeah. things, male, female, non-binary. I like pretty things. And-, and on that note, I will say this is a very sexy film. Mm-hmm. Like, the make-out scenes are quite steamy. Uh, yeah. And the one and only sort of penetrative sex scene is very passionate and intimately executed. Like in the in the filming and the a lot of very tight close ups on on bits and pieces and and touching and caressing and like hands hands doing things on on places and it's just yeah. Let's like to give a shout out to my algorithm for making sure that I've seen every single one of those things. Instagram to every trending song on TikTok, Instagram Reels, and even um, X, formerly known as Twitter. Thank you to the algorithm. Oh, it's still known as Twitter. We're not. We're not doing all that. We're not doing all that. We're not. We're not indulging in in a certain man's midlife crisis, especially one who who continually dead names his own children. Like we're not gonna. Most- the most divorced man in the history of time. Um, We're not um, doing all of that. So yeah, on Twitter, there's been a lot of clips. The um, whole movie. Yeah, yeah. A mystery show. <laughs> Which was never a mystery. It's a rom-com, baby. They'd be fucking like... I uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I do want to shout out two performances in this film other than the leads. Uh-huh. The first being Uma Thurman. Yes, Thurman. And you can say, well, because I like her scenes, yeah. Her text and accent. Is wild, Mary. So wild. <laughs> I don't believe it was good. <laughs> but but like did I enjoy it? Yes, yeah, I exactly. very much did. I very much enjoyed it. Every time she spoke, I was like, this is great. You're just having, you're just having such a good time. Like, uh, it's such a delight. Even more of a delight for me, I also want to shout out to me the best character in the film, which is yeah. Sarah Shahi's Zara. What? Sarah Shahi? Like Sarah Shahi. Yeah. Oh well, yes. I was watching this with my housemate and she sort of turned to me when I was like, oh, Sarah Shahi. So, and she's like, oh, have you watched, what's that fucking straight show, Sex Line or whatever? It's so funny. I, with I don't like know. The, the viral massive dick scene. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, that one, I'm like, oh no, baby. No, no, no. We know her from the L word. That is, that is where Sarah Shahi is from, is the L word. Don't. Don't come at me with, with with this other nonsense. But she's honestly such a delight in this film. Her character has the best lines and got the biggest laughs out of me. Yeah, every every scene she was in, she was firing on another level. So funny. Because I mean, like yeah. she was she was excellent in the L word, but I didn't I was not aware of how sharp her comedic chops were. So that was a delight. England inside you or something? Oh yeah, that was before you, you know, put your dick in the Prince of England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good line. Oh no, the exact line I think was before you put your dick in the heir to the British throne, and then he's like, "I'm the spare," and she's like, "I'm not talking to you, sweetheart." Um, 
Definitely. And his great line was like, you keep this quiet or I'm going to like break it your head from your body. And it's just, it's great. There's a lot of lines like that that are just, it's like, but in yeah. like the best way. Like the thing is of like the one, the one guy says to the other guy is like, I've, you know, I thought my name was a mouthful. Or they, and he says his name was a mouthful. And the other guy goes, oh, he is. <laughs> well, I'm like, that's great. That's just, we love it. So, yeah. So I had a great time with it. And, and I think, as you say, you've watched, I think, the majority of this online. I feel like that's that's my contribution is going to be to our to our next piece of media. Um, <laughs> so we're going to move on to the next category, which is television. Alex, take uh, it away. Yes, my queer babies, the show is back. Hot Stopper season two. We have Kid Connor and Joe Locke. Wildly in love. And you already know the story, but let me give you a little recap. So we have a big butch. Um, what everybody assumes incorrectly as heterosexual boy. Played by Kid Connor. Yeah. Yeah. He's by Ashley. Mm. Um, <laughs> and he's incredibly posh and he loves his mum and he it's just That's a love. Yeah. Kind of boring, yeah. And then um, you know, we we have Joe Locke. Who plays the very, very, I would say, nuanced queer performance of a boy who comes out against his will in high school? Yeah. Um, and embraces it. And so in the first season, we saw them discovering their feelings for each other and definitely setting the world on fire just by being sweet and sincere. Yeah, uh, we meet their friend group, uh, which you know, that's really where I want to circle start the not critique, but my opinions of season two. <laughs> so, they'll give you a full recap before the season starts too, and I just want to give out a shout out to shows that do that because there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. I watched the whole first season. I processed my emotions. I was there. Do I remember? No. Especially on the Netflix model, where it's like you binge that all in, a, in like two days, like a year ago. So that recap is essential. Exactly. It's based on a graphic novel, in case you were wondering. Some of the sh scenes are shot for shot. So it's always a good place to go back to. But uh, in season two, we find the two main characters kind of figuring out how to be out as a couple for, for Nick to kind of find Nick is. The, the rugby playing lad to kind of find out, oh, what's it like to be out as a rugby playing boy and still have all the same interests, but maybe yeah. branching into a new friend group. And I just want to say that overall, I love the season. It was definitely worth a watch. It is saccharine. It is incredibly sweet. But I think overall, honey, we're doing too much. I don't need to know about <laughs> secondary characters' life stories. God bless them. I, you know, love them, love them all. But I don't. We don't need to to unpack everything. We don't need to know every single issue ever faced by queer youth in society, from homelessness to eating issues to anxiety issues. I appreciate the the main stuff stellar performances i have I, seen a lot about the sort of the way the entire spectrum is presented yeah. 
in one show in one high school in in a way that I don't know, maybe it's more realistic now. I think that's also something we have to consider is that it's it's been a minute since either of us were in a high school. Yes, my back nerds thinking about it. Those yeah. Yeah. So, you know, high school very much may be a very different environment for people, but there's a lot been said sort of around everyone's gay. The teachers are gay. The students are gay. I believe teachers being gay, honey. But um, I would get on my knees for both of those men. Um, They all are lovely to look at. Boy, they, it gives. Um, anyway, sorry. The intensity of the, of the Mr. Farouk character, for sure, was was working for me. Why are you so craggy? I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Just be, ooh, be miserable. Uh, no, but okay. So my main takeaway is we don't need to do it all. I appreciate that we want to make everybody feel seen, but I don't. And I've had it. I've had it with trying to give every queer storyline ever in one queer show. Straight yeah. Spread the love. Yeah, we spent three hours in straight TV shows discussing a man uh, you know, his hobby is bird watching. We spent three hours unpacking that one thing. I would yeah. love to see a little bit of like, ooh, okay, this is this. Let's like unpack this. Let's give this a minute. Let's let it breathe. Let's discover the nuance in this instead of bing, bang, bong, onto the next thing, bing, bang, bong. Oh, it's just, it's also too much. Mm-hmm. It's not a little bit hectic to watch because you're going through it all. And then again, I, I say is is a detriment to the binge drop formula because I think that potentially would be less of an issue if we were watching this show week by week as opposed to in most people watch this in like a day. Like people really sit and binge this and really like soak in it and yeah. And and I tried to, I did actually spread it out over a little bit, but it's sort of like they also designed it the way that you don't want to spread it out over a little bit. Like Right. Yeah. They don't tell you whether, at least on the American Netflix, they don't necessarily tell you where an episode ends and where it begins now. Right. Everything kind of merges. And I think that happened uh, twice. If it didn't mean to, but yeah. It happens in a lot of Netflix shows that I've watched that I don't really mm. because you kind of lose your mind. It's yeah. like, no, no. You yeah. just get exactly what you're doing. So, okay. So I think my main takeaway from this is please watch the first season so you get all the call-outs. Please have a big croissant or a glass of wine or whatever you fancy when you watch it. Please don't take this as Bible as to what the queer experience is. It's not hard to be gay. It's actually quite a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, we don't always have to focus on the struggle. That's, but that is the thing is I don't, I don't, from what I've heard of the show, because again, I, well, not again, some people may not know this, but I've I've not watched the show. I haven't watched the first season. I haven't watched this season. Well, throughout, like I haven't watched it on Netflix. I've watched many, many clips of it on, on TikTok and Twitter and sort of like fan edit cut downs of it because I don't know when that first sort of season of the show came out and the first trailer came out, I was just like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I had flashbacks to me watching um, Love, Simon, which was a film that everyone told me, oh, it's so lovely. It's such a happy, wonderful, sunshiny film. It's good. You'll, everyone's, everyone loves it. And then I watched it and it emotionally destroyed me because it was, it was this thing. And I think a lot of, a lot of gay men have spoken about this sort of feeling of loss after watching 
the show and after watching something like Love, Simon, because it's the thing of, it's seeing an experience play out that though it's beautiful and wonderful that people get that experience and people do have those experiences now, it's not something that that we had. It's not something that I had. It's not something that I will ever have in that same way. So these those kinds of media are, are tricky for me, are difficult for me. Um, so I, I have not watched the show. I've watched clips of the show and even that has like a weight to it for me. But I will say that the, the sort of reaction, the response to the show that I've seen is that it is sort of overwhelmingly positive and again, saccharine. And it doesn't necessarily wallow in suffering. I mean, it, it's it's not easy for people. It, like that's the whole reason like he's struggling with being able to come out as, as and, and sort of dealing with, in this season, dealing, Nick's dealing with issues with his brother and, and being able to like come out to his friends and, and all of that stuff. Is, it's, it's not like an easy experience. And uh, as Trixie Mattel said, in the uh, queens, queens who like to watch, yeah. that like being gay is not difficult. It's straight people that make being gay difficult. Like, and that's exemplified exactly on this show it. from what I've heard and what I've seen. I, I think it does definitely highlight that, but it also kind of takes it to the nth degree. Like it, it right. definitely blows it up. And I appreciate why it does. And it is a story that, you know, I've experienced, we've all experienced bullying and sometimes yeah. the bullying comes from inside the house. We've all been yeah. there. But Very much. And anxiety is definitely something I suffer with. So I get yeah. that. But I just feel Same like thing. maybe we were trying to pull too many emotions out of our audience. And I just kind of right. didn't always enjoy it. Like, and I know it's sort of, Maybe something that I do that not everybody does, but sometimes when scenes get too awkward, I actually can't watch and I have to like block yeah. whether sing yeah. myself a spy school song to get through it. And <laughs> a lot of people don't do that. I've discovered I've yeah. discovered a lot of things from people sharing like things that aren't every day that they do too. Like I mean See, I don't do all of that, but I, I will skip I will I my my finger is very quick on that skip 10 seconds, skip 10 seconds to like get through some of those scenes. I don't, I don't do it. I make my, my wife watch the scene and then tell me what happened. <laughs> I'm like, I can pick up on context cues once we're through this. I, yeah, I this, this whole thing. She, yeah. <laughs> she said Pedro was, and it's definitely a weird thing I do. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, but, okay. Overall, I would say it's a great season, great performances, obviously. Yeah, I've loved the clips that I've seen. Yeah. I just, maybe we could do this. Yeah. Um, watch it. Watch it to support queer media, queer creator, yeah. queer IP. Yeah. Always good to get that. I hope people are getting money from it. I doubt they are. Or I hope they do one day. Um, yeah. 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 My main takeaway. Pay the writers and actors what they deserve. You know, we have to say it. You have to yeah. say it. It's ridiculous that they're not just doing that. It's it's so easy. $200 for the whole world watching Hot Stop Season 2. Yeah. Anyway. Um, on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. And we're back. And the category remains television because Alex has more TV to tell us about. <laughs> bounty of... What is the what is the phrase? Uh, bounty of riches? Bounty of riches. There we go. See, they're the smart one, you know. I'm just going to look pretty. <laughs> Oh, you are so pretty is what I love about you. <laughs> oh. Ladies and gentlemen, again, I'd like to welcome you to season two of Alex's Watching List Shit <laughs> on Apple TV. Now, Apple TV 
<laughs> sucks at promoting their shows. It's, One- <laughs> oh, it's bad. Oh, it's, it's bad. oh, it's bad out here. Like it's it's a it's a desolate wasteland. Unlike their like library of content, which is actually rich and and delightful. Yeah. Which you won't know about until you finish an Apple TV show. And then they're like, here are these other shows you can watch. And you're like, when did they come out? What? Why didn't you tell me? How were there three seasons? When I have never heard of this. <laughs> okay. So But After Party, do tell. Welcome to After Party Season Two. Season one has absolutely nothing to do with season two, except that there is a couple that decided to get together in season one at the end. So we join them in season two. Zoe Chow, I think is the correct pronunciation, but I could be wrong, is is the lead in the show. And imagine if you will, a film geek being allowed to make TV into a murder mystery. So we have the classic murder mystery setup. We've had a party, we've had an event. And exactly after the event, we have a dead body. And thusly, the rest of the show is figuring out how the dead body arose. Or fell, as the case may be. Okay, so this has turned into a drunk history episode because my tipsy ass can't remember my notes about the actors. But, <clears throat> okay, so we have all the following geek nuances. So every episode actually refers to a different genre of things you might know. So we have... Best part about the show. Like it, yeah. it truly is delightful. It's really good. In this season, we have the Wes Anderson uh, kind of episode, which, which has been my favorite so far. You, Just, you managed to watch it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've caught up with what's out so far. The whole season isn't out at the moment. She's not out. It's still, but she might see by the time this gets released. Because I think. I think there's 10 episodes in a season. And I think we've had eight. Oh, counting's important. I thought we had nine. <laughs> Anyway, um, okay. So every season is actually a different genre, and in each of those, a different genre. Yeah, every episode, sorry, is a different genre, and thusly you also unpack the story in those. Except for the last episode of it that I've watched, was an episode that is in the genre of nineties thriller softball. Yeah. It took a wild turn to um, the detective story rather than yeah. the suspect stories. Exactly. So if you're thinking, um, what was that movie with being close? Was it Nine Weeks where she boils the bunny? Fatal Attraction. Uh, fatal Attraction, bo- a bunny boiler. That we, we have that kind of energy where we have somebody unpacking a case but also really needing to fuck. So then that was one episode. Another episode was like Pride and Prejudice. And I think it's really interesting in in both in structure and sort of in the way that it decides to be self-referential and have mm-hmm. a sense of humor about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It, really- it really drives home the concept of the unreliable narrator. narrator. Uh, yeah. Because every episode is from the perspective of a different suspect being interviewed. So that's why it's like the different genres, like this is what it's like inside this person's head and this is how they viewed events. And then you see the same sort of events when it starts intersecting with other suspects, you start seeing the same events, but from different perspectives. It's really interesting. Did it give you this sort of moment in your life, especially with this season? I think it was really interesting to see. (laughs) What genre do you think you see life in? Because I'm thinking 
I might actually be seeing it in a, a rom-com meter Wes Anderson film that <laughs> might not always be. Yeah, I would say sort of like, again, Wes Anderson, but meets like a thriller. Um. <laughs> <laughs> very, yeah, very different. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Uh, <laughs> I need though, because I was just like, I sat there and maybe the first two episodes didn't really jive with me. I think the yeah, thing I, will, yeah. I will say the problem that I had with that first episode in particular is that the, I find the sort of lead male character to be the worst character. Mm-hmm. I find him insufferable. And his sort of like, oh, I'm so goofy. Oh, no, everything is going wrong. Oh, but I'm still, oh, I'm confident. And it's, uh, oh, I just find him insufferable. So the moment we get away from his perspective, I am happy. Same thing happened with season one. Same thing with this season. Yeah. I found it to be very true about him. And I and I don't regret saying it. Um, my favorite episodes are the ones where he's just say, and tell me what you think happened. Like I, I want him to have five lines, and then we move past him. I don't, I don't fancy him. Get out of here. Get out. The women outshine the men in this season. Oh yeah, and, and last season, honestly. And last season, Alana Glazer, like, come on. She's still fucking funny. I don't yeah. even watch her TikTok now, um, and it's a mess. And I'm so grateful she does it. Um, okay, but back to the show. Overall, I would say you should watch the show if you're a fan of any genre of film ever. If you're a film wanker, it's definitely up your street. But if you just kind of want to um, have a show that doesn't expect you to do too much thinking, it spoon feeds you slightly. Yeah. Um, and kind of and it feels like the sort of, what are those all sorts? The, what are they called? Not the licorice all sorts. The, the ones that come out at Christmas. What are those? Oh, um, Quality Street. Quality street. It's a quality street of of television because you get a different thing every every episode. You get a different flavor. You get a different thing, but it's all got like the murder mystery running through. So, yeah. like you know, we love a murder mystery on this podcast. Like it's it's yeah. collectively our favorite thing. Mostly, Alex, collectively our favorite thing. Know, favorite. But yeah, I think it's, uh, it's such a great show. It's such a great show, and Apple TV gives you a free week. So you can probably watch both seasons. It's like two weeks for the last two episodes to come out and then do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, don't be silly. Don't be a looker. Yeah. Um, but, or be a looker. Um, <laughs> we support. Um, <laughs> um, I think definitely after the last episode, get that free trial and watch it. I'm not going to advocate for Tim Cook to get more money. Um, but definitely give it a watch. It's not going to stress your brain. It's going to give you a good outcome. Yeah, um, it has gay people in it. It has straight people. Oh, it does, and that's also why I love the Wes Anderson episode because that I don't want to give spoilers, but that's the gayest, yeah, gayest episode, and I loved it. Um, but yeah, fabulous show. Give it a watch. We're moving on to our next category, which is music. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you. Collier Jepsen's The Loveliest Time. Seventh studio album from the Canadian singer. And Jepsen has said that this is a companion album to last year's The Loneliest Time. And it sort of features B-side songs she wrote during the pandemic. And I found this really great quote from her that I want to sort of start this discussion off with from an article she did, an interview she did for the Rolling Stone. Uh, 
<clears throat> she says, I didn't want it to just be as simple as a dark and a light. We're not as simple as that as humans. It's more about stepping into the experience of being alive and coming out of that state of hibernation and then loneliness. I want it to feel like growth and sound like celebration. Those are the main concepts for me. A lot of the songs were written from a place where I still hadn't met anybody I was that excited about. Uh, it was this longing for that. It's been a weird thing of life imitating art because I feel like I've written all these experiences that now in real life I'm getting to have. And it's odd to have written it first and then kind of happen afterwards. And I thought, that's just such a lovely description of this very like effervescent kind of album. It is. I think the the greatest thing that I discovered about the song. So if you if you don't know, if you're new to the Collier Jepsen um, cinematic universe. cinematic universe, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> what Collier does because she's a genius is that she'll release a record like Emotions, and then immediately after or a year after, some months, usually a tighter window, she release Emotion side B, mm-hmm. and she'll put it in the title. Um, Emotions, B-sides, or whatever. And she always yeah. does that, and they always go together. For this record, you know, everyone thought it would be the loneliest time uh, B-side. B-side. Mm-hmm. However, it's not. It's more, I understand what she was saying when she said it's kind of more a standalone project. Like, it mm-hmm. needs its own air, because I actually think it takes everything to a much higher level. Like, my mate and I mm-hmm. were talking about this, and I feel like, it's such a step up, and for her to say it's a B side would be dunking all the other pop bitches because I think it's actually one of the yeah. best records put out this year and for the last couple of years. So I think it just has so much to it to unpack. And every time I listen to it, I have a new favorite record. Mm-hmm. Collage is my favorite record at the minute. I was going to say, what are your three? Mm-hmm. Because. Yeah. The gays I follow anywhere on socials are proclaiming Psychedelic Switch as the song of the album. It's not my favorite. Yeah. Um, Specific kind of Pacific kind of person who likes that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, collage is in my three. So, what would your other two be? Like, if you're like, these are the three, three faves. Well, it's collage because it feels sort of like pop meets Tame and Paula. And then it's definitely Shy Boy because it's, like, so Mm. cute. Um, And then I believe, if I'm not incorrect, it is so right. That is also in my three, baby. Oh, really? We're the same person. We're the same person. (laughs) Except for um, my third would be Weekend Love, which... Technically, it's not like on the album. It's like a, a streaming bonus track, I found out. And it's not like on the physical release. And I'm like, that's the best song on the album for me. That is my absolute favorite. But yeah. But yeah, I also love So Right. Like just, I just want to, and I'm not, you know, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a dancey person, but I listen to that song. And I just want to sway. I just want to sway. I just want to have like a long chain of pearls on that I can just shake. I want one of those, um, you know, bobs. Like, I want to do a bobbery, like. (laughs) (laughs) The visual of you and just like (laughs) an aggressively hardline bob just being like. (laughs) You know know what it is? It's that that Netflix movie that came out, which had the bob 
with an Rosamund Pike had that bob with an instrument. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That kind of maniacal bob. I want that one. Um, it's it's great. It is just sunshiny, happy, very you know, very effervescent. I think that's the word that I think full of longing. I do find it to be sort of the fantasy of of love and sort of the fantasy of singing. Yeah, and I I love the sort of stories she has about being like, I didn't have this when I was writing it, but now I do, and I'm just like that is. For the for the zodiac bitches, I'm just like that is manifestation. She just manifested her best life through this album, and I'm I'm here for it. She is a professional um, life giver. She is mother. She is father. Um, she has it. Nobody says father. I wish they would. <laughs> well, they say daddy, baby. They say daddy. <laughs> oh, but daddy's not nearly as good as father. <laughs> I don't at all, father. Um, I'm just come up, <laughs> rubbed, but unhinged. We're getting unhinged on the pod, and I, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm here for it. I support it. Support it. I do. I, I think it's. I messaged you. I think the first time I heard it, and I was just like, the world needs to put this record on. I think there was an article that came out yesterday or the day before that says what happens when a pop artist isn't popular. It was about Cardio Jepsen. Uh, and homosexuals are like, excuse you. <laughs> you uh, can see yourself out. <laughs> I just, I thought everybody loved it, but I guess, you know, one interesting thought I want to leave everybody with is mm. that if Cardi released what I think is one of the strongest songs, Collage, or any one of the other ones that everyone has talked about other than Shy Boy, if you released the hardest cuts of this record, like Psychedelic Switch, as singles, if you gave it a push, like a Dua Lipa push, yeah, she could be that bitch. She chooses not to be that she bitch. She doesn't really do that. Yeah, you're right. You're like, my friend and I were saying this, Catherine and I were saying this, like, she might be doing it on purpose. She might have experienced being a pop star and desires. Yeah. yeah. You know? that. Okay, that's just a thought, you know, we can show it. But that's, that's, the, that's the conspiracy theorist in us. But anyway, um, do absolutely give the album a listen. Do stream those shows that we talked about and that film we talked about because they're all on streaming. Um, And once again, pay your writers and actors for the love of God. Just fucking do it. Um, We wouldn't have a show. Yeah, no, we wouldn't. Um, Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want to give us a follow, we are at girlsgaysdays underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. And video versions of this podcast are available on YouTube. Thank you, my beautiful eyelash trend. And join us again next week for another sip of Queer Culture. Yes, Sante. Cheers. Hulk, I just want to check with you. If a bumper sticker says Hulk, like if you like cheese, are you not meant to Hulk if you like cheese? Was that? I think it's. I think it's a rhetorical. It's a rhetorical honk. It's like a rhetorical question. Everybody know that except me. I thought you were meant to honk. If somebody says honk if you like pizza, I'm going to honk because I like pizza. I thought that was just an everyday thing that we all do. I think there's a danger of people forgetting that they have that bumper sign and then they're just like, why is this Why is this bitch honking at me? You know? I personally never touched my horn. I mean, I haven't driven in many years, but... You touch your horn often. Don't lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy. <laughs>